0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the jk Journey's weekly professional talk and podcast, part of the community package that makes you fitter, faster, more informed, and hopefully happier athlete. Now we have got a very exciting special guest with us today, none other than David Pearson, who is Team GB age group manager at the moment. He's a three-time European champion, along with some other medals, and he's also the uh, current running director of age group news so he is the go-to man for all things learning about team gb age group a lovely training history and very insightful with all of that as well now we're going to jump into that as well as all things community as usual and so let's get started Hey all and welcome back. As said before, I'm joined today by David Pearson, our Team GB Age Group Manager and three times Age Group European Champion. Hey, be here. And so today we're going to first talk all things community as usual uh, before we get into a little bit about David's training history, what brought him to become an Age Group triathlete and then delving a little bit into what it means to be an Age Group triathlete and some tips on how you can qualify and be a part of the lovely team that it is. Um, so let's get started. James, what's been going on? Hi Jake. The theme of the week is planning and how that can prevent poor performance. It was based off one of our recent challenges which was three reasons why, which exposed for a lot of people that our biggest critics are ourselves. So this week we thought why not put some thought into reversing that and getting rid of some self-imposed limits and followed up by a weekly challenge of to take a sweaty selfie which I know some of our members have been posting some funny pictures. Exactly that, uh, and I'm, I'm yet to post my sweaty selfie, but it's gonna go up tonight after after a couple of good sessions today. But so we've got David on call with us and, uh, and we're gonna talk initially about, about David's path into triathlon, but it's worth mentioning that David and I know each other from uh, from from a couple of years of racing, um, along with the age group team. So it's, it's very much a friendly conversation this evening. And, and for those listening in, for those who've sent in questions, it's, it's very much a fun one. Um, so let's talk. Let's let's kick things off by uh, talking about your path to triathlon, David. So do you want to tell us how it all began?
1: Yeah, um, thanks uh, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, it all started, I guess if I would have to go back to when I was about 10, um, I started off doing biathlons at school, uh, which is not like winter biathlon with the shooting and skiing, but just running and swimming. And they'd be separate, so you'd do the run in them morning and then the swim in the afternoon with, with a big gap in between them but it was a nice way to get kids into multi-sport um and that set me off on a pathway to starting the sport of modern pentathlon which I did through my um through my secondary school years um and I competed on the GB junior team of modern pentathlon I had a great time met many great people um through doing that um and then I got to the age of 17 and I was at sixth form and I kind of had a realization that as much as I loved modern pentathlon it was a sport that I fell into more than necessarily the right sport for me it's it's a really cool sport um but it's you very able... mentally yeah go ahead
0: are you able to, to remind us what all the events are in modern pentathlon
1: yeah absolutely so it's running swimming shooting fencing and horse riding show jumping uh, specifically so it's a very diverse range of sports it's got its uh, origins in the military um being the five sports that a, a good soldier historically should be able to do fire a gun fight with a sword ride a horse and probably should be tank driving these days but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, they haven't caught up um and then obviously uh, running and, and swimming um so it's an odd mix of sports and it's a, it's a mix of sports where you've got to be physically very strong to be good at running and, and swimming, um, but also mentally very tough to be able to take the pressure when it comes to the riding and the shooting. Um, and for me, that was one of the difficult aspects of the sport was I could shoot and ride really well in training. When I came to an international competition, you had the build up, you know, the, just the whole um, feeling of race day. Um, I could never keep my nerves together to shoot well in competition because if you if you feel nervous you, that presents with physical symptoms um you know you triathletes will, will know that you get jittery before the start of a race but if you've got a gun in your hand and you've got to hold that gun absolutely dead still if you're jittery your arm shakes and you miss and the same with a horse if you sit on the horseback um, and you're nervous then the horse knows you're nervous and will will play up. Um, so I really struggled with that mental side of the sport. And that's what led me to realize that actually maybe doing a sport like triathlon would be good for me because that nervous energy, I can travel and a channel in a positive way. Um, for me, I get just as nervous before I go into a competition, but that's a positive. As soon as the gun goes, that's just adrenaline and kind of to some extent on race day, the harder you are willing to push yourself, the faster you go. I can stand there with a gun in my hand and point at that at a target and I can want that target to go down so much but sheer will of wanting that target to go down will not make it go down in triathlon sheer will of wanting to run faster might not that might not be the best approach in training if you apply that every day but on race day that's not a bad mentality to have and that's what made me start sport
0: yeah and I think it's key to point out as well that you take that mentality to all all previous training that that I've done with you and, and all other bits as well. David is a is a madman when it comes to putting in some good rides and uh, and and hard efforts. So we 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 did a couple of chain gangs and a uh, and a couple of or even just looking at David Strava back in back in the day it was impressive. But rotating on the front and David would pull ridiculous turns at at forty odd k an hour and we'd be left in smithereens behind for for seventy odd k. But it's a uh, it's a pretty special thing that you do. And, and channeling that is, is just amazing. So yeah, the, uh, so sorry, continue on though. So, so moving into triathlon, did you get into age group straight off the back or was it a transition yeah. period? Or?
1: I got involved pretty quickly. Um, I think the reason was, is because I really liked competing for the GB junior team and representing my country abroad was something I really liked about the sport. It was, to be honest, it's what I was in it for really. Um, so when I got into triathlon I thought that the first thing I wanted to know was okay what is it what do I need to do to represent my country again Um, and at the start I began I just wanted a change I'd been doing modern pentathlon or or sports leading up to it for seven years I just wanted to try something new Um, so my first year was 2014 and I raced a bit locally but I didn't take it too seriously and looking back I think that's really important and I would say this to anyone who's new starting the sport is don't try to take it too seriously straight away especially if you've come from another sport you've got to go through that period of just having fun and just doing crazy stuff not because it's going to necessarily make you faster on race day but just because you love it and it's just fun and you've got to keep the fun in your training because when the fun goes you don't train well and I learned that in modern pentathlon
0: so I had a year where yeah, yeah. You, you, you've hit the nail on the head with our, our little tagline of keep the fun and adventure in training. So it's, uh, it's a brilliant mindset to have. And yeah, but carry on, sorry.
1: Um, yeah, so I did first year, just had fun. Uh, and then in 2015, I decided to you take things a bit more seriously, thought I'd try my luck and see how hard it would be to get into the GB team. Uh, and I managed to qualify that year at um, British Champs, I think it was, in Sydney, I think, looking back, um, to go to Chicago for the age group world Champs, and I was still in the 16 to 19 age group at that point, so I was still in the youngest um, youngest age group, um, and that was just a really transformative experience to me, like, I love the community spirit of it, um, I love the, the fairness of it as well, in Modern pentathlon, it was all down to a coach's opinion and you had to impress the selectors and convince them to pick you. But the process in triathlon is so much more open than that. You've got the qualifiers. It's very clear what you've got to do. And if you meet the standard, you go. And if you don't get the standard, you don't. Um, and that was a real breath of fresh air for me. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I just carried on from there, really. I had some bumps in the road. I had glandular fever in 2016 had quite a heavy crash at European Championships in Dusseldorf in 2017 um but yeah after 2018 I put some good performances together had a um, string of uh, medals uh, I think about five in a row and then um, I went to Valencia last year and then unfortunately I've got this stress fracture in my back now um so I'm having to take some time out um but yeah I guess
0: that's like my triathlon journey and Exactly, and I, and I and I don't think that should be undermined because you. I mean, you've basically done th- three multi-sports there at, at, at world-class level, um, and and come away with a bunch of medals, which is no small feat for anyone. And and the fact that you're per- persevering with injury and, and even now with your back is is again something that is quite motivational and inspiring for all. But one of the things I want to first come back to is a bit about. Uh, balance and I mean you're 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 still very young you're you're still absolutely in in prime and and in athletic prime as well and um how have you found balancing uh working and racing and and studying and racing and and all those those difficult things at such a high level
1: yeah so I started when I was at school um and then I did travel through my university days and carried on into my professional life beyond that um where, where did you study sorry uh oxford university which i'm i'm back there now which is really nice so i'm not a student in oxford anymore but i still train with oxford university triathlon club and they are literally like my family which
0: is lovely yeah that is that's brilliant but yeah so how, how did you balance it sorry
1: um i'm quite fortunate now in that i work as a software consultant so my um, there's pros and cons to that the pros are, is that my hours are very predictable and that won't be true for everyone listening to this. I essentially work nine till 5.30 each day. Um, a lot of jobs these days are not nine to 5.30. So I'm quite fortunate in that respect. That works very well for me because uh, wh- when I'm fit and healthy, I can train twice a day. I could train before work. I could get in a session in my lunch break. I could train after work. Um, there's lots of opportunity there. Um, but that's quite a fortunate position to be in. I think my experience at university is probably more similar to what other viewers might experience to some extent. The advantage of university life is you have the flexibility to plan your workload and work when you want to work, you've got a sort of set amount of work to do, you kind of choose when to do it. Disadvantage is you have a lot to do. Um, My advice on that is to have a plan and stick to it, look at where you've got time to do it, plan it in advance. And then once you've got a plan, it's much easier to stick to that plan than to think about it in the week and say, oh, and worry about when I'm going to get that session in. Um, the second thing I would say is discipline. So if you've got a session, you've said you're going to do it, then do it. Except, except, which is a bit I was quite bad at, is the times when you shouldn't do it. It's quite difficult to say that. But if you really, really are run down and you you just life's got on top of you and you really can't do that session then sometimes it is better to miss the session and definitely one thing i would warn against and you probably know this too jake is do not try to make up um sessions so if you've missed a session don't try and cram it in tomorrow and do three sessions in a day thinking i'm making that up
0: because that leads to burnout um yeah that would be burnout and an injury and and all manner of lovely things absolutely but, uh but yeah so you mentioned planning which is which is a, a lovely thing but and i mean i spend hours planning and and thinking about what what's going to happen next but what what did a plan look like for you
1: uh in terms of trade w- what sessions i did or
0: yeah and uh, in, in in balancing it and, and in planning out a season or in, in planning out how it worked
1: yeah, so a plan's got many levels to it. So you've got, you've got the short-term plan. Normally, in, in in day-to-day, I'm running on my weekly plan. So I know what sessions I'm going to do that week. I work with my coach. He's a remote coach He's actually up in Yorkshire. But we all sit down, have a meeting every two weeks, and say, OK, these are the sessions that are going to be done. Um, he normally just puts in the sessions for me that he thinks I should do, and it's up to me to work out when I'm going to do them. So I'll say, OK, well, this is when I need to work, and this is when I can do the session, and I'll put a time on it. Um, I don't stick to them absolutely rigidly, but I say, you know, from six to seven, I'm doing this. From, um, from, I don't know, 10 in the morning till 12, I'm doing, I'm doing that if I was at, um, at, at university. So that's, that's one level of plan. But then the other level of plan is, is the kind of global plan, which is how you structure your season. So you say, okay, well, there's, um, there's a period in the winter where I'm gonna do more endurance type training, build a base up, then there's a build phase normally, coming off of the winter when I've got good base fitness, but I don't have the speed. So sort of upping the kind of intensity of the sessions. Um, and then I normally have a kind of like a race prep block, which is immediately up to my A race. This is where I'm training at my maximum intensity. Um, but that really depends where your races are in the season. So I will always look at the season and I'll say, if yeah, these are the races I really care about, these are my A races how do I get myself to be at maximum fitness for those races and then fit the other races into that picture? So these might be your B races. How are those B races going to be stepping stones up to your A race And then even you can take it to another strata above that. And you can even start thinking about planning over multiple years um, and saying, okay, well actually, you know, in, in two or three years time, I want to be there. That's quite difficult with injury and stuff, but. But I do think it is good to have a, a long-term goal as well and say, you know, this is, this is kind of where I want to see myself
0: going in, you know, two or three years' time. Yeah. And, and, and for yourself, do you, do you have one of those in mind with injury at the moment or, or are you very much seeing where things are at? Um,
1: it's different, but I'm, I'm, I keep the same principles. So I still plan my week. I still try to keep the structure. So I'm swimming quite a bit at the moment because I can. I'm working with a rehab um, uh, therapists to do exercises to improve my but right. for, for viewers uh, uh, who um, we, we had a little discussion about this before the podcast started I have a stress fracture in my L5 vertebrae in my back at the moment um, so I've been off uh, running and cycling for about four months now but uh, despite that I, I still keep the plan for my week um, it's just it's just different um, and in terms of the kind of the season plan That's been changed completely now because I haven't done my winter build phase at all. I'm probably not going to do my build phase either. Um, And therefore, I'm essentially looking at the long-term plan is just to get myself to a start line in September. Um, And that's why I think it's important when you're injured is to plan for the worst case scenario, because if you plan for the best case scenario and then you don't hit it, and it's not your fault you didn't hit it because you couldn't hit it because you were injured, then you'll just beat yourself up about it, and then that's just not good for you mentally. Um, so I've tried to keep my plan um, to be loose, and then if I if I if I can do things faster than that, then then that will make me that'll make me happy.
0: Yeah, and and I absolutely feel you there. I'm in exactly the same position with not quite as serious an injury, but but a couple back to back, and and it's pretty awful. But one more question on that is it's just a silly one but is do you plan on paper or are you very much computed software as you said with with work you know what today i
1: had to write something and i was walking around my house trying to find a pen because i realized that my life has become so computed that i didn't have a pen i found one in the end um no i train uh, i use training peaks uh generally to plan my sessions i work in spreadsheets most of the time it's just better because i can share it with my coach and he can see it
0: yeah exactly that and, and that's how that's how we do a lot of it back here as well but um we'll move on slightly um because you've just become a, a gb team manager um, and a, ve- a very new development, several several weeks or, or, or a couple months in the making. But can you tell us a little bit more about what that means?
1: Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I've always wanted to do something on these lines, but being injured has given me the kind of impetus to do it now because obviously I've got more time uh, available because I'm not training as much. Um, so it's given me something else to do. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be a GBT manager. Uh, That means I'm essentially responsible for the welfare of the athletes that are going to be competing for Great Britain in a championship. Uh, I've been told that my first championship is going to be the World Cross uh, Triathlon and Duathlon Championships in Romania in June, which is very exciting. Um, So it's, I mean, you may well be familiar with uh, the team managers as they send out a lot of communications, uh, get a lot of emails from them. Uh, But It's partly emails, it's partly Dealing with problems, so yeah, there's been many cases of uh, you know athletes arrive at events and their bikes um, haven't arrived. They're left in the airport or you know mechanical problems with bikes or um, or athletes. You know, you know, unfortunately, the nature of our sport is sometimes athletes do get injured and have to get to hospital during races. Um, so just like you know, looking out for athletes um, in those situations. Um, so yeah, it's uh, there's a responsibility with it, but
0: yeah, I'm really proud yeah. to. It. Yeah. And, and that commitment is no, no small one over a full-time job as well. But I, I can only imagine the amount of emails. is. Have you experienced it yet?
1: Uh, so I've got my induction day on the 1st of March. And I expect after that that my inbox might start to fill up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that's. I mean, all, all communications past have just, it seems to be message after message. But I guess it's, it's what you've got to look forward to.
1: I, I like so, that. Day.
0: Yeah. And um and so have you had any insight as of yet, or maybe had to prep for an interview or something like that. But did you have any or do you have any sort of insight into how the overall team GB structure works at the moment? A little bit of insight for those at home.
1: I have a rudimentary insight. So the GB Age Group team manager is currently a lady called Verity Miles. She has overall responsibility for the GB Age Group setup. She is an employee of British Triathlon. um, And then under her, there are several GBT managers. They're all volunteers. um, They do it for the love of the sport, who will manage individual races. They're generally the individuals who get sent to to the events. They get their expenses paid for, but they're not employed. Um, And they are essentially the boots on the ground on the day, where if you are an athlete and you, you really have a problem then that's the person that you should go and talk to. Um, and also they give the race briefing uh, and things uh, and things like that. So yeah, the thing that I guess it surprised me is that it's, um, there's, not, there's not a huge amount of, uh, I suppose, structure in, in the age group side. Um, uh, there's, Verity does a very, very good job of running uh, the, the, the show um, under some very difficult circumstances, particularly um, during COVID uh, which was I, I mean I wasn't there as a team manager but I imagine that was an absolute nightmare for British triathlon to stay on top of just the sheer volume of um, you know problems that they had to troubleshoot um, and I think they do a very good job on the resources that they have given that they're ultimately funded by um, UK sport which is mostly derived from public money.
0: Yeah yeah and um... And I think as well for those at home, it, we, we haven't really defined age group yet, but uh, it, it sort of sits in this middle ground of, of a sort of progressive pathway from, it's it's not junior or it's not uh, youth racing. So it, it sits, as David said, above. It's sort of 16 plus is the first category, 16 to 19, and then develops in sort of five-year brackets thereafter and gives people right up. I, I, do you know what the, the the oldest bracket is or is it?
1: it basically they'll just make an, a bracket for the oldest person there is say so the oldest guy who enters the competition then they'll just make that the oldest category
0: yeah and and that's sort of the beauty of age racing is that it's um it's not elite so so pretty much every everyone has a, a full-time job and, and and we do it because we love the sport um and and that's what separates it is that particularly for the the, the sort of 20 to 35 to 40 age group categories is um, very, very competitive. And, um, and, and really, there's not a lot of distinction between a, a pro racer and, a, and, a, and an age group athlete. Um, and then the elite category take, takes a license or is, is run through performance centers, depending on the distance and, and things like that. And and, that, and the all, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the aim of age group racing is to encourage grassroots participation, and, and in, in doing so, increase numbers coming into the sport and give people an opportunity to, to compete and, and be at that, that pointy end of the sport in, in a lovely way.
1: Yeah, I think that's that, that's right. It depends on the age group. I think um, increasingly in the younger age groups, age group racing is, is starting to have a focus now on age groupers making that step up to race in the elites and nurturing some talent, which is coming through there. There's been cases of, um, some, some top age groupers, uh, people like, um, Reese Ashfield and, uh, uh, Nicole Allen, that uh, spring to mind who have started off as age groupers and then moved up to race in, in that example, in sport duathlon at elite level. Um, so there is that pathway to move from age group up to elite. Um, and then it's also all about, uh, encouraging participation in triathlon beyond the years at which people would still be, um, you know, in the prime of their performance, you know, under the age of 50 um, to compete still at uh, international level.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, th- and that rings us nicely onto sort of, a- of another question then. And, and you and I have had some experience of, of being on the team, but I'm, I guess from a team manager's perspective and from, and from yourself as an athlete, it's an odd one, but what, what do you think it sort of means to be on the team and to be an age group athlete?
1: Oh, that's a good question. It's, uh, it's a bit like, what does it mean to be English type question? You ask you a ask, you ask hundred people, you'll get a hundred answers. But um, what does it mean to be an age grouper? Um, for me, there was a guy who sadly passed away and his name was Maurice Young. And he was, for a while, the eldest British duathlete that was still competing. Um, And I I, I don't want to quote this wrong, but I believe he died, he certainly died in his late 80s. And he was competing for Great Britain up until a year before he very sadly passed away. And that guy was so determined that when he finished, he used to race the sprint duathlon European championships. He did it many times. And when he he finished that race, it was like he had finished in Ironman. He was just about managing to keep his legs moving. But just the sheer effort that it took him to race that was just incredible. It was so inspiring. And I thought when I watched him finish in Romania in 2019, that is what it means to be an age grouper. Someone who started, he started in his 60s and he kept going and he kept going and he refused to give up and he never gave up and he literally kept doing it um until he sadly passed away and i just thought that personified the spirit of what it really means to be an age group yeah
0: and i th- i think i i saw him in spain and was he in spain in 2020 uh no i think he passed away in 2020 unfortunately
1: yeah. but i yeah. think he was in pontevedra in 2019 which i suspect is the race you're referring to
0: yeah 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 um but yeah and an, an incredible an incredible man and um, and a a testament to what being an age group athlete is like um yeah it's it's a pretty special way to put it and um and i think it it resonates pretty strongly throughout and i think most age group athletes would come back to something similar as well obviously we can't speak for all but it's it's very much a it is a close-knit community and um and i think that being on that team is is a privilege and it's something that everyone loves and enjoys and and is, is a massive part of racing and and, and that's one question that I had based on what you said before, because you've been in the sport for a long time. But um, when you first started versus now, have you, have you seen many changes? Have you seen, noticed more people? Because I think the age group teams expanded pretty massively. But um,
1: it's, definitely, it's definitely more competitive now. The standard is, is going up every year, for sure. Um, people have come and gone over that time there's some people that I you know started out with who no longer do the sport and a lot of people have, have, have joined the sport um but I think I think age group racing is just going from strength to strength in, in Britain really um it's the, the thing that I that surprises me in some ways and a thing that in the future I would really like to be a part of changing is just how big the GB team is compared to some other countries in Europe. We in this country have a real culture of participating in triathlon and the idea of competing for a national team is something that we really aspire aspire to. That's not the case in all European countries. And sometimes you go to a European championship and I'm surprised just how big our team is compared to others. Um, So I think in Britain, we're getting it really right. And the sport has, great future here um i I guess one one thing i would uh say on that is i mean i can draw a parallel with modern pentathlon that i used to do in triathlon you can be a really good triathlete but there's never a point where there's not something in the sport for you You, there's always something for you you can keep competing at age group level until you're as old as maurice young Um, there's always something in the sport for you Um, In modern pentathlon, I didn't feel like that. It was run for the elites. And if you didn't make it as an elite and you're in your 40s, I I know very few modern pentathletes which have continued to do modern pentathlon into their 40s. Um, And that's what I think is the great strength in triathlon, is the ability to engage with people and keep people interested of all ages. And then that actually drives the sport itself, because people who do the sport become fans of the sport. And if you have lots of people doing a sport, you build a big fan base. And that is key to triathlon success. It's the, the fact that we are doing well at an elite level is because the public and triathlon is there in people's popular imagination. And I think actually, triathlon's in a very good place in this country.
0: Massively So, I mean, the Olympics have contributed no end, particularly, I mean, the Brownlees, but then 2020 saw, or, or 2021 saw, possibly the biggest reception for triathletes i would say in a very very long time and, and it exactly proves that but one another one bit is that you you mentioned it is getting more and more competitive and i don't want to throw you under the bus at all with uh team managing or, or any aspect of that but uh, do, do you think that the process should change at all i mean we're seeing hundreds of athletes try and qualify for these races and the standard gets up and and it gets intense and quite difficult perhaps and
1: i i guess the question is should it be easier to qualify or
0: uh more how should do you think that it perhaps should be i don't think it should be any easier i, I mean the team sizes as you say it's already at, at, at a pretty optimal level but do you see perhaps more development pathways coming through where because there are so many Basically, elite athletes racing in age group level—that you see development of the elite pathway or anything like that.
1: So, yeah. So, I guess a, a few points I'd make. So, some there has been over the years, and this is this is purely my view. Um, some debate around elite athletes competing in age group events, and personally, I don't have any problem with that at all. In fact, I would almost like to encourage elites to compete in age group events because. At the end of the day, I think if you're going to stand up there and say, you know, I'm a European champion in my age group, then it's only really fair to make that statement if, you know, if that race is open to anyone to compete. So I I don't I don't think it, there's any issue with elite athletes. You know, if elite athletes want to race in age group as, as well, then I just think that's great. You know, it would be lovely to line up with the Brownlee brothers and to say that you've raised with them. So I'm, I'm all for that. I'll say what I do like about the selection process and I definitely would never want to see change and there's something I alluded to earlier, which is the fairness of it. So, at the moment, British triathlon, rightly so, has a very strict policy with regards to qualification. You've got to come, uh, it varies by event, but there is a strict protocol, normally some qualifying events, which you need to come in the top four normally at one of the events to qualify. And then if people drop out and there's also some surplus places, then you get rolled outs. But if you don't turn up to one of those qualifying events or you don't make the time, then you don't get a place. And there's no, you know, if you write an email to them and say, can you give me a discretionary place? I'm really, really fast, please, please. The answer is rightly, no. You need to for that, And that's absolutely important for me because you can get a lot of, at least you know it's fair. If it's a selector that's sitting there and making decisions about who shouldn't and who shouldn't go, that's someone's opinion and that leads to um, to upset, I think. At least I know it's really fair. So I keep, I 100% keep that. In terms of how I feel that the qualifying process is going to change, I, I I don't know, but if if I had my way, I wouldn't change very much about the qualifying process for the big events like the world european triathlon championships what i do see is just because it's getting more competitive i think more of the international events are going to start to have qualifiers so you're going to start to see specific designated qualifiers coming in for things like middle distance triathlon um, some of the other events like cross triathlon which at the moment it's submission of race results there's going to be i think there's going to be specific qualifiers for those we're already starting to see that this year. They've introduced um, uh, specific qualifiers for, I think it's middle distance duathlon now has some specific qualifiers. So that's what I see happening is, is, is more more qualifiers. Um, but I don't think the process should change for, for the big events. And in terms of the team size, that's actually limited by the, uh, by wild triathlon itself. In ta- in, it's not, it's not a British triathlon decision. So there's, there's, there's less scope to change there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's very exciting that that prospecting middle distance and, and long distance qualifiers because it's going to draw a more well it, by nature they, those qualifiers draw a field to them that that is competitive and, and, it, and for those competing for those slots it will be exciting to see see how they come.
1: Yeah, and I, just to add to that, I think the qualifiers are, are absolutely fundamental to the success of British Triathlon's age group team for a few reasons but the biggest I think is because everyone has to go to one of the qualifiers it brings people together people have those experiences of racing with other people they meet people at these events and it's people stay in the sport because of the friendships that they that they make and by making everyone go to the same qualifying events that builds the team cohesive spirit that British triathlon has that I think other nations lack so much I mean just um for those that aren't familiar with the process British triathlon, I would say, has one of the strictest and most coherent qualification processes for an age group team in the world. A lot of other countries, it's more lax than that. You don't have to go to specific qualifiers. You just need to submit some race results to prove that you're essentially at that level, and then they'll let you go. But that doesn't harbor the team spirit that comes with going to the qualifiers. And also, it doesn't make you sit there and think you really earn your spot. And if it's something you feel like you've really earned, then that makes you want it more. And because more people want it, more people do it and it becomes more competitive it's just, it's just great. Um, I think it's a good system.
0: Yeah, and, and a final one on it is, and it could be a, a complete bluff or, or no idea, but do you have any advice for someone that would, would want to qualify for the team?
1: Yes. So, okay, two bets. The first bit of advice, Goes back to one of the first points I made, which is don't do it too soon. Go through that phase where you don't worry about your performance and just fall in love with the sport and do crazy stuff. Have fun in your first year. Don't immediately start the sport and think, right, I've got to get straight into analyzing every aspect of my performance. Secondly, once you've got to the point where you're like, okay, um, I want to get serious about this now, and I really want to qualify for the GBA group team. My advice is break down your your performance into every small little part and think, how can I make each little bit of my race better? And when you start out, there's normally an awful lot of gains that you can get by breaking down your race into small bits because none of those small bits are optimised. So can I make my nutrition 5% better? Can I make my transitions five percent transitions are a great place to to save time when you start because if you don't know how to do transition properly you can save loads of time can i make my equipment five percent better and by five percent better i don't mean go out and buy an extremely expensive time trial bike it's always an option but i wouldn't suggest it i'm saying you know can you do easy stuff are you racing with a bottle cage on your bike uh, when you're not using a bottle um do you um Uh, you know other do you have quick release skewers on your bike could you not have quick release skewers and then you know save a little bit on aerodynamics just you know find the little things that you can do really cheaply um, and try and improve those just a little bit and if you do that across the board in every little area then you'll knock loads of time off your splits.
0: And that is that is on in in a nutshell. When, when when you're trying to compete for those spots and it's and it's marginal gains. But yeah, breaking it down that way is perfect. And and yeah, and I think that that is exactly where the sport goes and, and why we can get so geeky about it and, and enjoy those tiny savings for as little money as possible as students. And then as you progress and you start to get a bit more, it, it, you get a bit more freedom to have some fun. But um. But I think to finish it off, uh, we've got a few questions that came in from people online uh, or, or through Instagram and Facebook. Um, anything from the guys here, first of all? No, that's all good. So the questions that we got from home, we got a few sent in and I, I feel it's only fair to, to give a shout out to Giggleville, which is the, uh, uh well, they sent me questions uh, yeah so it's our 20 to 24 age group team from a couple of years ago uh and and as we've said there's a very strong community of athletes and and we very much meet up for, for training camps for some for some evenings out and uh and when we go to these events uh we, we generally go as as a team which makes it really nice but uh with, what they they've said what what was your favorite event and and any reasons why
1: uh, I'd be absolutely lying if I said it wasn't Kazan in Russia um, and it's absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I won that day um only joking It's partly um, but also just because like having you guys around like being out there with the team like I, I yeah shout out to Giggleville like um it was really nice we all stayed in in a house together uh, as, as proper athletes and um it was just lovely to share that to share that day of winning first European gold medal with um with with such lovely guys uh, exactly yeah.
0: exactly that and and if we draw it back to racing have you got a favourite course or a favourite venue? We're
1: uh, we talking in the UK or abroad?
0: Hmm. Oh, let's go let's go uh, both or UK because because people can relate to that a bit. Okay, a
1: bit um, do I have a favourite course? Uh gosh, i do not really thought about that. I guess it depends whether it's a draft legal course or a draft illegal course.
0: Um, All I'd hope you say is that you don't say um, Bedford Autodrome because that's uh,
1: shall I shall I get shall I actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna oh, justify why I'm gonna go with Bedford Autodrome. So for those who've never raced at Bedford Autodrome, it has a reputation for being a bit of a hellhole in that the weather is always always horrendous there have been some horrific thunderstorms that have taken place during that race it's normally in um in early early spring slash late winter um and I I guess I'll have to go with that just because I always seem to perform well there for for no good reason I think I'm quite good in bad conditions I fare better than other athletes so that said, I have got hypothermia from that course and that was not fun. But in terms of race results, I like a I like a bit of a slugfest. So yeah, it might be that or it might be the Ashridge duathlon course as well because I often race That's quite well over one. that.
0: That's a good course. Um, okay, a couple more quick fire ones we've got is, would you change anything about the, the, the GBH group structure? Um,
1: yeah, let's changed a few things. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd add a, a British sprint duathlon championships. I've never really known why there isn't one. Uh, there's a sprint triathlon championships and there's a standard duathlon championships. Um, so I'd love to put that in. Um, another thing that I think would be really good for the sport is to, uh, uh, this is less a comment on in this country, but in the way that races are run abroad. Um, although to be fair, also in this co- country with qualifiers, is to have separate races for men and women. I think it would be really good for women's sport if uh, women got to have their own own race day. Um, and there's often issues in in at in the moment with uh, drafting going on between genders um, because women aren't allowed to draft men and men aren't allowed to draft women. Uh, but that becomes a bit of an issue because you get you get crossovers in ability because um, you've got mixtures mixtures of age. But it's not just gender. Uh, in the pot it's also differences in age group um and then you get cases where women are racing and they feel like they're getting held up um because they can't pass a group of men um that they that they really need to because that's gonna potentially cause them to start drafting um and i think that i just think that's a, that's a difficult issue in sport at the moment and it could be solved if if they're like in the elites, men and, and women uh, raced separately on either on a different day or, you know, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And as the sport gets bigger, I think that's what I'd like to, to see introduced. I think it would benefit
0: all involved. Yeah, that's a very good point and a very good take. And, well, I mean, we see it at most events and, and particularly at, at, at international events, but okay, last, last two is, where would you see yourself in five years? as an athlete or as a, as a manager or, or other hopefully functional <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well
1: being able to participate in a triathlon would be a good start so definitely getting over this injury um i'll be honest like this injury has been really hard for me i've had probably seven six seven years without a significant set well not significant setback but a significant injury that's really made me stop having to do my sport for a long period of time um and that's been mentally very tough and i've struggled with it um and at the moment if i could just get back to the level that i've been at um kind of my sort of 2019 2020 level um and win some more medals uh for the gbh group team then that would be absolutely fantastic and i'm not i'm not looking beyond that at the moment if you know if i go further than that then then that's great but at the moment if i could get back to where i was that would that would be um i'll take that all day long
0: yeah and and that's that's testament to you as well but final one then is do you know what and do you have thoughts on the sub seven project way off topic but
1: way off topic um I, I i do i've had thoughts about how i think it can be achieved i think do i believe that if you took Alistair Brownlee or Christian Blumenfeld, and put them, you know, on a start line. And I said, right, I'm going to stand here with a clock and on your own, you're going to complete an Ironman and you're going to do it under seven, minutes, seven hours. Can you do it? I, I, I believe that's impossible. They might well prove me wrong, but I believe that's possible. So if they're going to do this seven-hour project, it's going to have to be contrived in some way, in the same way as Elio Kipchoge's uh, two-hour marathon was in some way contrived because they had the pacemaker's Um, helping him do that. Um, And then the question is, is how much is it contrived? I mean, you could contrive it to the extreme. You could give him enormous flippers. You could give him great big hand paddles. You could put him in the water and make him swim with a massive current behind him, which I think Christian Boomerfeld broke the Ironman world record, having a current in swim, but then that was subsequently written off. That's another topic. and then, so, it's going to have to be contrived in some way. Um, you know, do they give him flippers in the water? Do they have a great big team of a peloton to for him to draft behind on the bike? Um, and for me, that... It, it, then people will ask, well, how much contrived is acceptable? I mean, in the public's imagination, we accepted that Elliot Kipchoge's two-hour marathon was not so contrived that we thought it was that it was laughable because the idea of having other runners around him felt like a race. It felt like the sort of conditions that Eliud Kipchoge might experience during a race. If those um, riders had been people on bicycles it probably wouldn't have made much more difference to the aerodynamics of it, but in the public's imagination would people have felt like that really wasn't, they really had witnessed the sub two hour marathon? I'm not so sure. So that's where my skepticism lies with the sub-seven hour. How contrived do they have to make it? Uh, how much advantage do they have to give themselves by drafting or whatever they come up with in order to make it? People have got to believe that it was really a, that the performance was was exceptional, and that they well, of course it will be exceptional, but that they actually really achieved it and it wasn't too contrived. That's the yeah. challenge for me.
0: And I've never actually thought of it in that way, which is when you say it like that, it, it's very true. And, and Kipchoge's time was, I mean, the, 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 the thing for me is that the difference between the world record, for example, there is two minutes, um, whereas here it's, it's 29, 28. Um, and so that is, um, yeah, I'm just excited to see, but it was a good question as well. So, and, and a very interesting answer. So well, um, we'll wrap it up there though. And just a, a thank you again for joining. Um, And thank you for those joining this evening and for those listening at home. Um, For members of JK Journey, as usual, all things are up on the website. Uh, Check out the other podcasts. We've got all the normal weekly plans, weekly circuits, yoga sessions, all else on there ready for you to access. Um, And yeah, thank you, everyone. Hope you have a lovely week and happy training.
1: Thank you. Brilliant to be here.